So uh, tonight, to me, this is very exciting to bring to you, and uh, the Word is always exciting to bring to you. Um, I'm excited to bring the Word tonight. I'm excited to bring the Word on, um, on Sunday. On Sunday, I'm going to teach you how to catch a monkey. You will learn how to catch a monkey. If you go down the Caribbean... And, you know, the monkeys, they're all over the place. They come over, they steal your food. I'll teach you how to catch one. You throw them in your bag, you bring them back home. You got a, you got a pet. It costs you five, $600 at the pet store. You got a little monkey that you can have as a pet. But I'm going to teach you how to catch a monkey. I'm not going to teach you how to catch monkeys tonight. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. You'll learn how to catch a monkey on Sunday. But tonight I want to talk to you about the seven feasts of Israel. And we're going to tonight look at the first four. You could stay where you're seated. I'm just going to read with you Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. And here he talks a little bit about the Sabbath. And then you have the seven feasts. Now, if you look here, those of you taking notes, you want to kind of make a note of this. The word feast in Hebrew is chag, and what it means is to circle, or essentially it means to dance. So what do we do when we are dancing? We celebrate, right? We dance at weddings. So the idea here is a feast is a joyful celebration. And then the word convocation, that's speaking about a large formal gathering, so a large formal gathering, a mikrah, with the chag is this large formal gathering that's a joyful celebration. And in this 23rd chapter, you see that there are seven feasts of Israel. So you have the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Pentecost, or Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, what does this have to do with us? Everything. Because if you're not experiencing the first four feasts in your life, you know what? You're not a Christian. Wow. Did he just say that? But it's true, and I'm going to show you that. So if you look, I want to show you here in this chart... The spring holidays, the fall holidays, all the biblical holidays, you have the Passover. And you'll see, and I'll show you this, the Passover essentially is a typology of Jesus' death. He's our Passover lamb. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jesus, it talks about Jesus' burial. The first fruits, Jesus' resurrection and Pentecost, the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit, the Feast of Weeks. Now, if you don't ask questions, I'll, I'll answer your questions when I'm done. Then um, the fall holidays, you have the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and then you have Tabernacles. Those have not been fulfilled yet. They will be fulfilled in the, in the future. So a key, th a key thing here, and I want you to, you know, just if you take notes, you want to take notes on this, what I'm going to say to you right now. The Passover happened on the 14th of Nisan, okay, March, April. And um, it ended at twilight, 7 p.m. And 
then the people would go into the house and they would eat the, the Passover meal. On Thursday night, okay, right, we have Thursday night, you have Jesus celebrating the Passover on the 14th of Nisan. Jesus is crucified, right, on the 14th. Now, if you understand what I'm, what I'm saying, because the Passover meal, Thursday night, right, it was twilight. So, again, we're not, we're not talking about, you know, our, our clock, 12 o'clock, right, 12 o'clock to 12 o'clock. It's usually from twilight, 7 o'clock, in the evening until 7 o'clock in the evening the next day. That's when the day started. That's when the day ends. So Jesus, he eats the Passover, right, on the 14th of Nisan. He is crucified, right, on the 14th of Nisan. He is in the grave on the 15th of Nisan, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then what happens on the 16th of Nisan? He's raised from the dead. I just want you to, again... Right? Take a look at this. It's important. Passover, Jesus' death, the 14th. Unleavened bread, the 15th. First fruits, the 16th. Okay, you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All prophesied, okay, in the feast, thousands of years before he ever came, right to the very day of what happens. So just understand when. There, there, there are three divisions. I went through this in the book of Exodus. There are three divisions of the law. So when we always think of the law, we think of the Ten Commandments or the 613 commands of uh, Moses, okay? You have the moral law. You have the civil law, right? Civil law, like our speed limits, okay? Um, if you have an animal and your animal gores my animal and it dies, you've got to make restitution and pay for it. Those are the laws, okay? They're agricultural, laws that dealt with an agricultural society. And then you have the ceremonial law. This is the ceremonial law. The seven feasts, the tabernacle, okay, when we were in the book of Exodus, deals with the ceremonial law. Now look at what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 18. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So again, what you, what you will see here is Jesus fulfills the Passover. He's our Passover lamb. He fulfills unleavened bread. He's the sinless Savior who was buried and did not see decay. Okay, and I'll show you that. He is, and he fulfills the Feast of first fruits. He is the first fruits and the resurrection. And Pentecost, he is the one who pours out the Holy Spirit 50 days later on Pentecost. Next week, we'll get into the, the next three of the feasts, and that will blow your mind when we talk about the rapture, we talk about the Day of Atonement, and we talk about the, um, the Feast of Tabernacles in the Millennium. So the, the, the chapter starts off with just one little blurb here about the Sabbath, and the Sabbath day is a feast day. Okay, it's not one of the seven big days, because you, you know obviously you have 52 Sabbaths in a year, but Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3, it says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath, a solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is a Sabbath of the Lord and in all your dwellings. So important here, right? Are we still living under the Sabbath law? Or we don't keep the Sabbath. I don't keep the Sabbath. 
I recognize the Sabbath as the day that the Lord rested. Okay, I recognize him as the creator. Every Saturday, by the way, I recognize that. Take nature into my heart. Take creation into my heart. But uh, essentially, the, the fulfillment, okay, of, of Shabbat is also something that we have experienced in Jesus. So, you know, Hebrews chapter 4 gives us, you know, and really hammers this home. I'll just look at verse 9 through 11. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. If you've come to Jesus Christ, you are now in your rest. Right? You're, not, you're not laboring to be saved. You, you labor from right what he's done. You want to please him. You want to honor him. You want to serve him. But we're not laboring for salvation. Just as God died after creating the world, um, just, I'm sorry, just as God did after creating the world, so let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So we are in our rest right now, our Sabbath day rest. Okay, let's look at the seven feasts and dig into it. So the first is the Passover. Okay, in verse 4 and 5. These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the 14th day of the first month, that's Nisan, at twilight is the Passover. What did the Passover commemorate? It commemorates when Israel, right, the 10th plague, God commanded the Israelites, right, you take a lamb, you slay it, you put the blood on your doorframe, right, on the lintel on the doorframe, and then you and your family go in and you eat the Passover meal. And while you're in there, right, at 12 o'clock, midnight, the angel of death comes over. And the firstborn of all who did not have that blood right on their door, they all died. So um, that's a key thing. So here, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you through some of the steps, okay? So... On the 10th of Nisan, okay, the instruction is that the head of the family, the man, okay, each uh, male, the head of the household, they were up to obtain a sacrificial lamb. If there were families that were smaller or could not afford the lamb, they would share the lamb together, okay, and that is a provision that's given in Exodus chapter 12. And um, they would take the lamb into the house and basically they would examine the lamb because the lamb had to be without blemish, right? Couldn't have a damaged leg or, you know, a damaged eye. Had to be without blemish. And they would take the lamb into the, you know, into the home and um, essentially uh, they would get attached to it. Think of this. If you brought a little lamb, look at that little lamb. You brought the little lamb. You ever get a puppy? You get the puppy in the house, right? You wake up in the morning, the kids are all excited, you're all excited, you go down and see your little puppy, right? Take the little puppy for a walk, the puppy is curling up on top. That's what happened with the lamb. They got attached to it. Five days that that family, they would be examining it to see if there was any blemish, and they would become incredibly attached to it. On the 14th of Nisan, okay, five days later, at twilight, twilight, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m., you might say it's, it's 7 p.m., the family would gather outside of their door. And um, essentially, you know, what, you know how they didn't obviously have clocks. How did they know that it was twilight? Um, the rabbis, basically, and you find this in some of the rabbinical writings, that when it, 
you came to twilight at this time of the year, three stars were not visible during the day, but would be visible at twilight, and they would know then that it was now the beginning of a new day. So they would, they would find those, those three stars, and um, the male of the household, he'd take the little lamb and slit its throat, and the blood would be poured into a basin. And then what he would do is he would take hyssop. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the hyssop in a moment. Okay, there, there's a, a leafy, a leafy plant. And he would dip the hyssop into the blood. And then he would basically tap the top of the door frame, right? Come down, tap the left side. I want you to see this, right? Here, here, here. Okay? He would tap it. That blood would, would, would drip down. And um, then the family would go into the house. The door would be shut. That blood covering the doorway. And then, again, now you've entered, right? It's, it's beyond the day, right? We're now beyond 7 o'clock, 7.30. So now you have the 15th of Nisan. And now what they would do is they would eat the Passover lamb with the bitter herbs and the unleavened bread. That's, that's all you had, by the way. In the, today, if you go to a Passover dinner, they got an egg. They've got all kinds of desserts. <laughs> There's a whole lot more stuff. That, but in, in, in Exodus, you had the Passover lamb, you had the bitter herbs, and you had the unleavened bread. That was the, the Passover meal. And again, Exodus chapter 11, Exodus chapter 12. They were in the house at 12 o'clock. Angel of death passes over. If the blood is not on the door, firstborn, Egypt or, or, or Israel or Jew, they, they would die. Now, I'll give you a picture here of what the doorframe looked like. The more, you, the more you look at what they had to do and what was described, again, they're taking, they're taking the blood on the high sop, tapping. Where does the blood go? It drips down. I'm going to show you in a second, too. One of the main reasons why it would drip down. And then tapping here. When you crossed over, what did you just make? You made a cross. Right? It's a foreshadow of, again, Yeshua. Jesus, John the Baptist in John one thirty-five, says, The next day John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus, and he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5.7 Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be uh, a new lump, since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed. Jesus is our Passover lamb. So that little lamb that was sacrificed is a typology of Jesus. That blood that was put on the door is a typology of Jesus. By the way, the doorway is a typology of Jesus because he is the door, right? John chapter 10, he is the way, right? The truth and the life. The hyssop, and that's a, a picture of, of hyssop. Hyssop grows, it basically can grow in a swamp. It can grow in water. And it basically would grow in very moist soil. It doesn't grow in dry soil. It doesn't grow in a desert. And it was basically filled, the stems are filled with water. This is something significant here. So when, when the, the, the father, by the way, father operating as a priest, remember Exodus 19, a kingdom of priests. So he wasn't a Levite necessarily, but they're a kingdom of priests. Now, he would take the hyssop, dip it in the blood, and again, when he began to tap, not only 
was there blood going on the door, but there was water. And the water and the blood would drip, would drip down, again, covering, uh, covering the door. In, in 1 John chapter 5, 6 through 8, and Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. Talking about here his baptism and his death. And the Spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the soldier took the lance and speared his side. What came out? Water and blood, right? John chapter 19, 34, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear, and immediately blood and water came out. So when you're looking at what is going on in the Passover and what is being placed, again, on the door, water and blood, (laughs) and the pattern of a cross. Now, they did not see that or, or recognize that, right? Again, it's a typology of foreshadow. We have hindsight. We recognize it and we see it. They understood that that blood basically was a covering to keep them from the angel of death. But Jesus is our Passover lamb. Isn't that great? You really look deeply into it, and it's, it's truly incredible. Again, 1,500 years, 1,400 years before he came, 1,200, somewhere in that, in, in that area. Second feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So in verses 6 through 8, Leviticus 23, and on the 15th day, okay, of the same month, right now, so we know 14th of Nisan, Passover, right, we come enter into the actual um, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Um, seven days you must eat unleavened bread, and on the first day you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall do no customary work on it. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So the, the Feast of, Unle- uh, of Unleavened Bread, what does it celebrate? It celebrates the, uh, the Israelites fleeing from Egypt. And fleeing with what? Fleeing with haste, quick, ur- urgency. They didn't have time to put the yeast in the bread and see it rise, right? So they, they basically fled, and that's the, the concept of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread also was a reminder of the, the hardships, the difficulties of their slavery, their pain in, in Egypt. So what, what is yeast symbolic of in the Scriptures? Sin, right? Just many, many you know, places, if you look at Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And, that, and that's essentially talking about, that's talking about moral sin. Um, Jesus talked about the yeast of the Pharisees, the yeast of the Sadducees, the yeast of Herod. And um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, there is the yeast of immorality. So leaven represents, essentially it represents sin, but it also, it represents the effects of sin, which is decay. But you don't realize you're all decaying? <laughs> right? We're, we're all in a state of decay, right? We're, we're in a state of degeneration. I think they say like, 
from you know, our birth until about 25 years old, you're in a state of regeneration. From 25 on, you're in a state of degeneration. And the older you get, the more you realize it. Right? Diane always likes to say we're, we're, we're all terminal. But we're, uh, unless the rapture happens, right, we're going right, to, we, we, we are in a, a state of decay. So the concept of the unleavened bread, and we look again at, at Yeshua, his sinless life, right? Look, First John, many times in the New Testament, First John 3, 5 says, you know that he appeared in order to take away our sins, and in him was no, oh, I'm sorry, in him was no sin. He is, he is the sinless Savior, right? And he is the bread of life. He is, he is pure, perfect, undefiled bread. There's no yeast in Jesus. Uh, he said in John chapter 6, 35, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But he is, the, he is that undefiled, okay, sinless bread. And realize, when Jesus died, he did, not, he did not experience corruption or decay. He was raised on the third day. And it, it, Psalm 16.10 predicted this. It talks here, this is a messianic passage. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, in the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. So again, He, he is, he is our, our sinless Savior. He is our, our yeast-free <laughs> Savior, the yeast-free bread of life. And He fulfills, just as He does in the Passover, being our Passover lamb, He fulfills the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Next feast, the Feast of First Fruits. When did the Feast of First Fruits happen? The following Sunday, right? Passover, the 14th of Nisan, the Unleavened Bread, the 15th of Nisan, and then we come, 16th of Nisan is the Feast of First Fruits. Feast of First Fruits was a, a celebration. It was a, a feast of thanksgiving for the harvest. So I'll, I'll read to you in, again in Leviticus 23, 9 through 14. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On that day of the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an eva of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma. And its drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hen, and you shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. And it shall be a statute forever throughout all your generations in all your dwellings. So, again, a, a feast of thanksgiving, okay, that was celebrated right on Sunday, okay, and um, of, of giving thanks to the Lord. So, the, the feast of first fruits, okay. What does that point to? It points to the resurrection of Jesus. Who knows the passage where it says Jesus is our first fruits? Anybody? What is the great resurrection chapter in the Bible? The theology chapter on the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. You want to make a note of that. You know, it's something to do when you read the Bible 
I hope you're reading it every day. But when you're reading the Bible, when you're done reading it, you know, then I, I go to my, I write out my prayers, but I make notes. You know, what did God say to me this morning? So the, the, this morning, I was in Psalm 131. He, like a weaned child. Have you read that psalm? Like a weaned child in the arms of its mother. I don't concern myself with a whole lot of matters, and I'm in a place of, of peace. And I was in, I was in uh, Proverbs 12. And it was talking about a righteous man, that the righteous man is rooted. The wicked man, though, will get uprooted. And that was, that was a, by the way, I'm only reading, reading one proverb a day right now. Not one chapter, one proverb and meditating on it. Just think, think on it. I was, in, I, was in, I was in Mark, chapter 10. I was in Revelation, right, chapter 11. The two witnesses. But just, you know, just remembering it. And I just kind of like as I go through that, then you start to remember these things. You know, you know, somebody asks you a question. Hey, you know what, what? What could you tell me about the resurrection? What about the first fruits? You know, I'm going to go to First Corinthians chapter 15. But if you, if you just kind of read it and don't don't kind of remind yourself, and I don't want to go to bed at night, I do the same thing. I kind of rehearse. I go through my mind. What did I learn in my readings of the scripture this morning? I fall asleep doing that, and um, a, a good thing. So First Corinthians chapter 15 the resurrection chapter, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, right? Jesus, what, he, what does it mean that he is the first fruit? First to be raised from the dead. You say, oh, but in the Old Testament, right? Elijah raised somebody from the dead and um, Elisha raised somebody from the dead. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and, you know, Jairus' daughter and the widow of Nain. What did they all do? They all died. <laughs> He's the first one to rise who will never die. And you know what? We're second fruits. <laughs> Third fruits, fourth fruits. But He's the first fruit, but we will all experience that same resurrection or, or rapture. This beautiful thing. All right, last one for tonight. The Feast of Weeks. Shavuot. Okay, Pentecost. Why do you call it the, fifth, uh, the Feast of Weeks? Because you have seven consecutive weeks. It comes out to be uh, 50 days. 50 days from, right, the, fifth, uh, the 16th of Nisan. 50 days, okay. You would come then to a Sunday. Okay, 50 days from that, um, from that date. And again, that is Shavuot. That is, that is Pentecost, okay? What happened on Pentecost, right? So watch, watch what the text says here, Leviticus chapter 23, 15 through 22. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day of the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. And you shall bring from your dwelling uh, two wave loaves and two tents of an ephah, and they shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven. Uh, they are the first fruits of the Lord, to the Lord. And you shall offer with uh, the bread seven lambs of the, uh, of the Lord, and the grain offering, and the drink offering. And um, it, it, it goes on describing the, the actual, again, the experience and what they're doing, the worship that's happening on Pentecost. Again, a, a feast that's celebrated. Wait, if you look carefully, what were they celebrating? Harvest. 
By the way, you've got you to understand that in connection here to the fulfillment of what happened on Pentecost. They are, they are celebrating a harvest. Now, Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, 37, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Guess what happened on Pentecost? It was harvest day. Harvest time. And it was the beginning of the harvest of the church age. We're, we're part of this. So if you look at Acts chapter 2, 5 through 6, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem, right? This is Pentecost. Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. Remember, there were people, Medes and Parthians, people from Italy and from all the different nations. And when this sound occurred, right, they all began to speak in, in different languages. The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So they're like, they're drunk, right? Remember, they, they're drunk. I mean, you see a bunch of I mean, if we all started speaking in a different language in here and somebody came in, they would think that, that well, hey, maybe we were, you know, we were dipping into the gin or something. And so they say, no, they're all, they're all drunk. But then Peter stood up and he explained. And he, you know, cited scripture. He cited Psalm 16, what we just looked at, about the Messiah having to die and being raised from the dead. He talked from, about Joel and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit from Joel chapter 2. He used all scriptures. He went to the Old Testament. That's why, why do we preach the way we're doing tonight? Because we see that that's the way Jesus and the apostles preached. They used scripture basically to explain to people what, what, what was happening. And so he explains it. Then you come to the end of his sermon. He preached for quite a while. It was, it was not, I mean, you can read through Acts chapter 2 in a few minutes, but it says he, with many more words, he, he exhorted them and he was preaching to them. And then in, in verse 40 through 41, and with many of the words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. There's the beginning of the harvest. And then a few days later, there's 5,000. And then a few days later, there's 8,000. And then it just suddenly, now they can't even count the numbers. And they're just saying they just kept coming and coming and coming. And that's what's been happening for 2,000 years. It's the fulfillment of, of, of the harvest. I mean, you want to see a beautiful picture of the harvest and what really began in Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost. If Revelation chapter 7, 9 through 10 and these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number from all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with uh, palm branches in their hands, and crying out with loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Multitudes, right? Millions and millions and millions of people. And that all began on Pentecost. You know what Pentecost is? It's the day the church was born. It's the birthday. Pentecost is the birthday of the church. But it's, a, it, it's the fulfillment. Again, Jesus here fulfills the harvest. So, again, the seven feasts, and I'll, I'll take you through and show you a, a couple of things again. You had the Passover, the unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost, which, he, again, he fulfills each one just as he said. And we'll see that he will fulfill the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and, and the Tabernacle. So here's, a, here's the thing. Again, Jesus is our Passover lamb. How do you make that relevant in your life? 
I, I do not let a day pass by. I, do, I, I don't let a day pass by where I do not thank the Lord for his blood. Because his, his blood has covered my life. And because of that, the angel of death, he ain't getting me. <laughs> but I, I thank the Lord every day in prayer for dying for me. He took my place on the cross. He took my sins away. Gave me the gift of eternal life. Gave me the gift of salvation. But I think that's, that, that's how the, you know, the, the, the Passover becomes something that we experience. So just when you're reading the Bible, there should always, you know, if, if you're in tune with the Spirit of God, there will always be a personal application. So if, if you're reading, and I, I say this, when, when you're studying, you may be studying one of God's names, right? El Shaddai, Okay. Or, you know, you're looking at Elohim or Adonai. But you're looking at Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Right? You're coming to Do you know him as your healer? Do you, do you know him as the one who heals not only your body, but he heals your deepest hurts, your, your disappointments. He heals your, you know, your pain. So it's one thing to say, oh, you know, he's Jehovah Rapha and just throw, you know, throw the name around. But have you experienced him as Jehovah Rapha? And that's, you know, that, that, that's the concept. Have you experienced him as your Passover lamb? And do you, do you thank him on a daily basis for being your Passover lamb? He is, right, and fulfills the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Right? He, he says, I am the bread of life, right? What, what, again, the word of God. I am, I am the word of God, right? The bread is the word. And, you know, it, it, right, it, it tells us, right, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, John 1, 1. He is the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Are you in the word each day? Are you feeding on it, right? Are you chewing it and swallowing it and digesting it and, and, and assimilating it? But that's, you know, that's how we experience, again, the perfect unleavened, the perfect unleavened bread. The Feast of first fruits, right? He is the first fruits of the resurrection. Do you experience him? A living Savior, you know, is, is, is he living in your life? Is he, is, is, I mean, do you, when you pray, are you communing with him? Remember the, the tax collector and the Pharisee. The Pharisee is speaking, right? It said he's praying to himself, just praying into the air. And if, if he is the first fruits, if he is the resurrected Savior, he's here with us tonight. If you're a believer, he's living in you tonight. Do you commune with him? You know, I, I like to go to this, this place that it's just a quiet place that I can go to and just be with Jesus. Jesus, I'm angry about something. And he'll counsel me. Jesus, I'm upset about something. Jesus, I'm angry at what happened on Saturday in Buffalo. Why do these things continue to happen? Come back, Lord. Just go to him and be with him. 
But he's alive. He's, he's not dead. He's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the grave. Thank God he went to the cross and went to the grave, but he is a living Savior. And we, we, we need to be experienced. We need to be experiencing him. If that's, if that's not happening, you know what our faith becomes? It just becomes dead religion. It really, and, and, you know, you see it in the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, but you also see it in the church. People don't have a living relationship with him, and that is something he, he desires for us to have. And Feast of Pentecost, again, which he fulfills, I will pour my spirit on all people. Have you been filled with the spirit? You know, I, and I, I teach this. When was the last time you were filled with the Spirit? Because we, we are to be going on being filled with the Holy Spirit continuously. And that should be something, right? As we live under His influence, as we truly, truly seek Him. But Jesus said, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be open to you. But He says, Would a father, if, if the son asked for an egg, give him a scorpion? And uh, scorpions would roll up like eggs and could deceive you. And he says, how much more will your heavenly father, right? And he says, how much, more, how much you know, you who are being evil would, would, would not give good gifts to your children, but how much more would your heavenly father give to you? And he says, give to you Holy Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. He says, Holy Spirit. It's entry. It's inter- Hagios Numa. He would give you holy... Jeez, oh, I thought I had the Holy Spirit when I, was, when I was saved, when I was born again. Now he says, ask for the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That we ask, hey, I need your power for something. Spirit of God, I need your power for boldness. Spirit of God, I need your power to forgive someone who's hurt me. Spirit of God, I, I need your power to just be more loving towards people. That's, that's the Spirit being there and available to in our lives to endue us with that power, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, love, grace, forgiveness, all the things that we need. Because we're not, we're not able to produce them in ourselves. So we come and we ask Him. So again, the, the, the fulfillment of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit in our lives through Yeshua, who pours him out. So, first four feasts. Next week, we'll get into the next three. Some exciting things, right? Good stuff. All right? Did you hit a question? In the beginning. Well, if you remember... No, Elijah's not the, the Holy Holy Ghost. The Holy the Holy Ghost you have the Father, Son, that's Holy Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit is God. Elijah was a man, a prophet. Okay. I remember when I was little we would leave a cup of wine Oh you're Jewish? Yeah. Wonderful. Do you believe in Yeshua? It's a wonderful thing to be Jewish. And it's a wonderful thing to be Jewish and believe in Yeshua. So God bless you. First name? Adam. Adam. I should have known you were Jewish. <laughs> ah, people give people give the name Adam if they're not Jewish. Adam, welcome here today. Thank welcome. You.
Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for your word. I thank you for Adam, Lord God, being here with us tonight, and Ben. And Father God, we just ask a blessing, Lord God, that this word would live in us. Lord, four feasts that, Lord, we read in the book of Leviticus and be seen as so irrelevant to us. But, Lord God, how, Lord, they have been fulfilled in you. And not just fulfilled, Lord God, 2,000 years ago. They are being fulfilled in our lives every day. And we should truly, Lord God, celebrate and rejoice in that. So, Father God, be with us tonight just as, as we pray, as we seek you. And in Jesus' name, we pray all this. Amen. And uh, Len, the worship team will lead us. Um, you can stand with me in a uh, worship song. And then we'll, uh, we'll go and we'll break up into small groups for a little while and we'll pray tonight. Thank you, Pastor. You know, I was going to go buy a book on uh, the Seven Feasts, but now I don't have to do that. I just, you know, it's all right. I'm learning a lot. Took a lot of notes. Amazing, right? So much given. Actually, you know, it's, he touched on a lot of the same places I'm reading, which I love how the Lord does that. Leviticus is a pretty precious, precious book. So the altars are open if you'd like to come up. And spend a little time in quiet prayer by yourself before we break up into groups after uh, this closing song.
Savior, there is none like you, Lord. Father, thank you for this night, Lord, and the precious truth you've shared with us from your word, Lord God. We ask for just a continued strengthening, Lord, and encouraging by your spirit, Lord, and helping us remember what we've learned tonight, Lord, that we can just share with others how precious it is, the truths, Lord, such deep truths about our Savior, our Lord Jesus. And Father, we just ask that we continue to honor you this night as we continue in prayer here, Lord, and in the days ahead, Father, we just ask that you'd Continue to provide those opportunities for us to share your love with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.